Good morning. While the children and uh, children's ministry disciple makers make their way back, will you please turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Today we'll be in verses 3 through 8, and that is also reprinted on the back of your bulletin if you need it there. And you'll see on the slide behind me that we're beginning a three-week series called Members One of Another. I have a simple question while you're trying to get to Romans 12 in your Bible. Here's my question for you. What are you? What are you? How would you answer that question? Some of you would say, I'm a human, a friend, a student, a gamer, an electrician, a coffee lover, an Eagles fan. What are you? In the New Testament, we're told what we are. And for everyone who is called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for everyone who is born again, everyone who has been regenerated by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, there's one simple answer to the question, what are you? It's a, you're a lot of things. There are a lot of answers. But for our time this morning, the simple question is, you are a member. You are a member. A member of Christ and a member of his church. We'll see this clearly in Romans chapter 12. Let me pray first and then I'll read our whole text, verses 3 through 8. Let me pray. Blessed be your name, O Lord. What are we? What is man that you would consider us, that you would love us, that you would seek us, that you would save us, that you would forgive us our sins? Who are we? What are we? We need to know from you what we are. And your word tells us that we're members of the body of your son, Jesus Christ. We are the church. So this morning, help us know what that means. Help us know who we are. And help us live today and this week for your glory, knowing the beautiful reason why you made us what we are. Thanks most of all that this week you've been preparing a message for us from your word. And so now hear the prayer of every heart as we plead with you to open our eyes that we might see what we each need to see from your word. Open our ears that we may hear your voice from your word. And give us hearts this morning to receive with joy and gladness your glorious eternal word, which is for our good and your glory. Help us feast well on your words this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The book of Romans chapter 12, and we're looking at verses 3 through 8. This is the great and glorious word of our Lord. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith 
that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. What are we? Well, Paul tells us to think about who we are. He tells us to think about it, think about it, think about it. He uses the word think over and over again. In verse 3, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think, but think of yourself with sober judgment. So we're supposed to think about ourselves. And this comes off of the first two verses in Romans 12. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul explains to us who we are and how we are changed. If you have your Bible open, you can peek at verse 2 in Romans 12 with the theme of thinking. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we glorify Christ by having our mind renewed, our mind changed, our mind conformed to the image of Jesus Christ so that we can know God's will and understand right from wrong, good versus evil, and know how to live lives that glorify Jesus. So we use our mind to discern God's will. And then in our verses, we glorify Christ with our minds again. We use our minds. Christianity is a mental religion. We use our, we do not shut our minds off for some blind faith. That's a stereotype. Christianity is a religion for the mind. It's a faith for people who use their minds to think. So in our verses, we use our minds, letting Christ renew our minds so that we not only discern God and His will, but we also discern our identities. You're supposed to think about who and what you are. And Paul's going to answer three identity questions in our text this morning. Three identity questions. And this will be the outline of the sermon. The first question is this, what am I? What am I? We're going to have Paul answer that question for the Christian. What am I? Second, how important am I? That's good to know. You need to know how important you are. And third, what is my role? What is my role? Those are our three questions this morning from Romans 12, 3 through 8. What am I? How important am I? And what is my role? Question number one, what am I? If you are in Christ Jesus, if you have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you believe that Jesus is your Savior for your sins, you can't earn salvation yourself. If you're trusting in Him and not yourself, you're saved, you're born again, you're regenerated, then you are a member. What are you? You're a member. Verses 4 and 5 again. Look at them again. Paul using an illustration of a human body in verse 4. For as in one body we have many members or body parts, that's what that word means, body parts, 
And the members do not all have the same function. So we know, verse 4, it's a human body. Everyone knows that. If you're a human, you have a body, you understand. Verse 5 now. So we, the Christians, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. That's our sermon series, members one of another. So what am I? What are you? We are a member of Christ and a member of the church. You're a member of two things. You're a member of Christ and you're a member of the church. Of Christ. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. We've been added to the family of God. From before the creation of the world, Father, Son, and Spirit had a perfect community of love, giving and receiving love in perfect community, perfect love, perfect harmony. And then, in the image of God, we have been created to join into that fellowship. And we had it for a few days in the garden, and then we chose to form our own community. We chose to not honor God. Our first parents ate of the fruit of the tree and decided that we needed to be king of our lives. And we separated ourselves from that loving community. But now, through Christ Jesus, we can be added back by grace through faith to that loving community, that harmony, that family. Father, Son, Spirit, the triune God and the fellowship they have, we are added into that. And that is what it means, one body in Christ. But we're also added to the church, the group of Christians. It says, and individually, members one of another. So what are you? What are you? You're a member of Christ and a member of the church. Notice what Paul, this is really important, does not say. Notice what Paul does not say. He doesn't say you are eligible for membership in Christ and a church. He doesn't say you're invited into membership in Christ and a church. You know what else he doesn't say? He doesn't say you're members of the body of Christ and individually members of one another if it fits your schedule. If you think we're worth it, you have been added by Christ Jesus to Christ and the church. Now, as Christians, we make a distinction between a local church and the universal church. Maybe you've heard those terms before. This is a local church, and the universal church is all the Christians on the planet, alive, past, present, and future. That's the universal church. Our local church is Cornerstone Church of Skipac. And in the New Testament, we're told to do a lot of things for our local church family that we simply don't have the time, bandwidth, or even relationships to do for all the other Christians on the planet. We're not called to bear the burdens of the Christians at Central Schwenkfelder. Some of us have relationships with them, and you'll bear some of their burdens, but we're called to bear one another's burdens as a local church. You don't need to submit to the elders of Limerick Chapel. This church has elders, and we all submit to the elders here, but we don't have to submit to every elder in every church on the planet. And we cannot care for all of the widows at Redeemer BFC in Audubon. We simply can't do that. Maybe one will be put into our path to care for, but we are called to care for the widows of this local church. And then there's the universal church. All the Christians in the world alive today who for the last 10 or 12 or 14 hours, whenever the time zone thing changed, I forget what time zone frame we're in, but all day long, Sunday mornings have been happening across the planet, and our brothers and sisters in the universal church have already been praising the Lord Jesus all day long. Amen? 
And we are part of that universal church. We're rooting for them. We're praying for them, especially those facing intense persecution for their faith. However, they are in a different local church than us. We have not been added to their local church, and they have not been added to our local church. Our church is starting Vacation Bible School today, but not every church on the planet is. In fact, Paul begins his letter to the Romans in Romans 1. You don't have to flip there. But in Romans 1, we find out Paul is writing to a local group of believers in Rome. Romans 1, 7 says, To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. So we had a special message for all the believers in Rome. And God has a special calling and a special message for all the believers in Skipback, all the believers who gather at a local church together, all of us. There's a special commitment we have. We are members, verse 5, individually members one of another. This is a gift. Membership in Christ is a gift. Membership in a local church is a gift. So what are you? Member of Christ and a member of of the church. Now at Cornerstone Church, we have a formal membership process here. To join the church as a formal member, and I strongly encourage you all to do that. Uh, Today's sermon is one in a three-series messages on membership, so you'll have two more sermons to think about this. And we just finished a membership class. We'll offer it again in the future. Formal membership commits to the church family, and then we have responsibilities and privileges like the ability to vote on our budget and reaffirm elders and deacons. Our formal membership process is in our Constitution. If you want to look at that and read that, reach out if you have questions. It's the way we formalize these truths about what church membership is. But Paul in Romans 12, if we're being honest, isn't talking about Cornerstone Church's formal membership process. He's talking about the spiritual reality that happens for every true believer in Jesus Christ. We have been added to Christ and to one another. So if you are in Christ, you are a member of Christ and you are a member of the church. Members one of another. So that's question number one. What am I? A member of Christ and a member of of God's family, the church. And this makes a really huge difference, actually. It's going to make a difference today, even, in your life, that you have been added to a church family like the one you've been added to. So question number two, before we get to what your role is, question number two is really important. It's how important am I? How important am I? Raise your hand if you think you're the most important person in the room. (laughs) Nobody raised your hand, right? Jesus Christ is the most important person in the room, and he is here. Question number two is, how important am I? Let me give you a quick answer, and then we'll see from what Paul is saying what the answer is. Here's how important you are. You're vital, but not superior. You're vital, but not superior. That's the answer. How important am I? We are members of Christ. Christ is essential. Christ is the reason we live. Christ is our purpose. So it's not about us. It's about Christ. 
But if you're here today, if you're part of our fellowship, if you're part of our church, if you're regularly gathering with us for worship, Jesus has added you to our body. He decided this church family needed you. You are essential, not because you're essential, but because Christ is essential and he decided we needed you. He decided we had a body part missing and he brought you here for the good of his body. Jesus does not make mistakes. He does not add useless parts to his body. You have not found your way to our church by accident. You are not a bystander. And I love saying this, especially in the membership class when we're talking about uh, being a part of a church. I love to say this to people. When you miss a Sunday— Over the years, I've gotten a phone call here and there. Oh, Pastor Dave, I'm sorry I missed church. We're going to be there next week. And I say, you know, you don't have to apologize to me. I just want you to know that we were less without you. We were missing a vital part of our body. And so you don't have to feel shame and you don't have to apologize. I just want you to know, like, we're not keeping score. Oh, they weren't here. They weren't here. But we're a body and every part is needed. Every part has been added by our Lord Jesus Christ. We are all vital, but none of us is superior. This is glorious news, but it should humble us. How important are you? You're vital, but not superior. Now look again at verses 3 and 4 where we see this really teased out. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So we're supposed to not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. And this is really countercultural, isn't it? Isn't this really countercultural right now? To say, I'll be part of a group of people where I am absolutely not the most important person. I will say, I am part of a group of people who do not think I am the greatest human being in the world. I will be part of a group of people who does not tell me that I am the most amazing person who has ever lived for all of human history. It's so countercultural. We're told all the time, you be you, be true to yourself, be surrounded by only people who will tell you how great you are. I saw a t shirt this week. It said, anyone can be cool, but awesome takes practice. That's not sober judgment. Anyone can be cool, but awesome takes practice. I mean, that's not sober judgment, but that's this world today. You be the king or queen of your own world, and you're awesome. And anyone who doesn't think you're awesome, get them out of your life. That's not sober judgment. Sober judgment. What we're called to do as members of a church, that is honest and humble, thinking about ourselves and thinking about Christ. Sober thinking points our minds away from ourselves to Christ himself. Sober judgment points us away from our own agendas to the kingdom of Christ in our midst. Here's what sober judgment says. The Christian mind thinking soberly says, your kingdom come, not my kingdom come. How important are you? You're vital, essential. We can't do this without you. Jesus did not add you to our church by mistake, but you're not superior to anyone else. Evidently, in the Roman world, word must have been spreading, or else Paul might not have been pressured to say this. 
It must have been a temptation in churches, and maybe the church in Rome was dealing with this, where some people were walking around thinking, you know, this church has a lot of great people, but they're really glad they've got me. Why else would he feel compelled to say that? Have you been tempted to think that you're the most important person in the church? Have you been tempted? It's a temptation. The enemy wants us all to think more highly than ourselves as we ought. But when we look to Jesus Christ and what he's done for each and every one of us, that reminds us to be humble and honest in our assessment of ourselves. How important are we? We're vital, but not superior. And that's the body of Jesus Christ. Question number two, how important am I? Vital, but not superior. Well, we're already at question number three, where we'll spend the most time. What is my role? What is your role in a local gathering of a church? Here's the answer, and then we'll tease it out. Your role is sober judgment and faithful service. I'll say it again. Your role is sober self-assessment, sober judgment, and faithful service as a part of our body. Some of you know your role. You know your gifts. You know your talents. You know your resources that you've shared with the church. You have your passions, and you're always wearing your passion for Christ's glory in some area of this world on your sleeve every Sunday and every day when we see you. And you use them regularly. And let me say, for those of you who've been serving for a long time, you know your gifts, you know your niche, you know exactly how you fit into the body. Amen. Keep serving. You're essential. You're vital. You're not superior, but you're vital. Thank you and amen to that. Keep seeking the Lord's face with sober judgment that he would keep you faithful to serving him all of your days. We thank Christ for adding you to us. But some of you, maybe you're here this morning and you're either in a new season of life where you don't quite know how you fit in or you're new to Jesus Christ and you're like, I've never even thought about how to serve my church. Or you're new to the church and you know how you served your last church, but you don't quite know how you'll serve our church. Well, let's think about where you might fit in, what your role might be. Paul mentions a few spiritual gifts and roles in verses 6 through 8. We don't have time for an academic study of all the spiritual gifts. Certainly a worthwhile endeavor. Study all the spiritual gift passages in the Bible if you want to think more about this. But let's look at Paul's brief list that he gives the Romans. Verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. That's it. Let us use them. Faithful service. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. If service in our serving. The one who teaches in his teaching. The one who exhorts in his exhortation. The one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. And the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And notice what Paul doesn't say. He doesn't say, and you're going to get all the credit for using your gift. And we're going to praise you every Sunday. We're going to clap for you every Sunday. We're going to tell you every Sunday how great you are. No, if we're doing our role as our body parts in the body of Jesus Christ, then Jesus Christ is going to get all the praise, all the applause, all the amens, and all the glory. Amen? Amen. That amen was for Jesus. Verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the talent, no, according to the esteem and and uh, credit the person has earned? No. According to the uh, success? No. According to the grace given to us. Do you see that? 
If you're here, you've been added to the church as a gift of grace to us. And any gifts and resources you have are a gift from God to you. So that's that reminder that it's all gift. It's all grace. All we're doing every week when we gather is receiving God's gifts through the power of the Holy Spirit and through one another. It's all a big party where we're opening gifts every week. And the gifts are all from the Lord for the glory of the Lord. It's all grace. If you or I have a particular gift clearly manifesting itself in the church, it's not about us or who has that gift or you. It's about the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're here to be His body so that He gets all the credit. So the question, what is your role? The answer, your role is sober judgment. Thinking, why am I here? What part do I have in the body? How has God gifted me? And even why am I here today, July 10th, 2022? What's your role? Sober judgment and faithful service. Looking back at this list in verses 3 through 8, one author summarizes these verses really well, and I thought this was a great way to think about what Paul's doing in these verses. The author says, In a church, there's a plurality of members, a unity of the church, and a variety of gifts. What's our, what are we? What are we? I'll say it again. There's a plurality of members of the body. Look at us. Look around. Everyone, look around the room. This is a gift from God. A plurality of members, a unity of the church, and a variety of gifts. Let's look at a couple of these gifts. We don't have time to spend on all of them, but let's look at a couple of them and see how Paul teases that out. Look at verse seven. It begins, "If service." Some of you feel like you've got the gift of serving, the gift of service. You feel like, sign me up. Who has a need? I'll help out. I'll help out on Sunday. I'll help out midweek. Somebody has a yard to clean them up. I'll do it. I'll deliver a meal. I'll visit someone in the hospital. I'll make a phone call. Sign me up. I don't want to plan anything. I don't want to organize anything. I don't know how to bake anything, but sign me up. The gift of service, right? If service. So if God has gifted you with the gift of service, This church needs that, so serve others. Use your gifts. If that's your gift, use it. If you don't know how to use it, ask someone. Do you know anyone I can serve? Oh, we'll find people. We'll find people today. Verse 8, look at the end of verse 8. The one who does acts of mercy do that with cheerfulness. So if God has gifted you with acts of mercy, then act mercifully with a smile. You know what mercy is, right? Grace is when you give someone something they don't deserve, and mercy is when you don't give someone something they deserve, right? Have mercy on me, judge. I know I did it, but please don't give me the punishment. Showing mercy means not condemning people for their sins. Showing mercy means forgiving people who've sinned against you. It's hard to do, which is why Paul says, when you're showing mercy, do it with cheerfulness. That reminder to have the cheerfulness of Christ in you as he forgave us, we can forgive others. We can show acts of mercy to one another. Do that with cheerfulness. These gifts build up the church, and there's a variety. In our text, there's prophecy, teaching, and exhortation. 
Uh, Prophecy was a a term used for a number of things, and there's a big debate in Christianity over what exactly that means. But prophecy, teaching, and exhortation are all gifts used by God's people to remind others of God's Word. And so for those who have those gifts, prophecy, teaching, and exhortation, Paul says in the church at Rome, if those are your gifts, use them to remind one another of God's truth. The gifts of serving and contributions build up the resources and ministries of the church and help us make disciples. The gift of leadership helps us know one another, feed each other, and protect one another from danger. And the gift of mercy, as Paul says, that's that reminder of the gospel. If you remind someone of the gospel this morning, that's an act of mercy. We were sinners who needed a Savior. I was a sinner who needed a Savior. And we all say, Amen, because you've reminded us of the gospel. So the gift of mercy reminds the church of the gospel in and out every week. So, brothers and sisters in Christ, with sober judgments, may God help us all discern our roles. What is your role? Your role is sober judgment and faithful service. And that's in general. And now I I think this week as I was praying about this, I thought let's just get really, 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 really practical. Do you like practical? Do you like hearing practical ideas in sermons? I do too. I like when a sermon has a general principle and then gets really practical. So we are going to get practical. Today is the first day of VBS. Can't even pronounce it right. If you're new to our church, we don't normally have the stage set up like this. It's not normally like that. Today's the first day of five nights of Vacation Bible School. Let's get real practical. Some of you have a specific role to play tonight. You have a role to play tonight, a specific role tonight and every day of VBS. And some of you don't, so your job is to pray. Some of you have a role to play. Some of you have a prayer to pray. Play or pray. Tonight, VBS, every person of Cornerstone Church of Skipback is either here serving at VBS or please spend some time in prayer for lives to be changed by Christ. How about a regular week when we don't have vacation Bible school? Well, some of you are here. You were brought here by God because you have gifts that will help us make disciples and help us make fully devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. And what you need to do is you might need help discerning how can I use that gift? When can I use that gift? Is it in one-on-one discipleship, small group Bible study, Sunday school teaching, children's ministry discipleship? Where can I use that gift? But you're here to use it and you just need help soberly judging when and how to use those gifts here. Some of you are here and I'm so glad you're here because you have wisdom that we need that no one here has right now. Wisdom about dangers that are coming for God's church. Wisdom about how to grow and and feed and, and nourish all the saints here at Cornerstone Church without slipping up, without getting into gimmicks. Some of you have wisdom to help us be careful. And you need help discerning how and when to share that wisdom with us. But you're here to share it. So find ways to share that wisdom. Well, here's another one, and maybe this is some of you today. Some of you are here because your weakness is going to help us pray. Some of you are here because your struggle is going to help us be a church of prayer. And you need help discerning how and when to share your weakness 
or your struggle with some other folks in this church so that we can be a house of prayer. Some of you are here, let's be honest, because your personality is going to help us be patient with one another. Now, I mean that because when I was added into Sarah's family 18 years ago, happy anniversary, Sarah, I love you. It took her family a while to get used to Dave Matchett. (laughs) When you're added to a family, if you're not the one who's like, oh, it's really hard to get along with that other person, then you're the one in the family that everyone in the family's like, it's a little bit hard to get along with them. Isn't it neat that we're not all the same? We don't laugh at the same jokes. We don't tell the same kind of stories. Some of you are just so outgoing and you're sharing and you're talking and you're laughing and some of you are really quiet. We need all of that. Your personality is going to help us be a bigger family than just the people we normally connect with and get along with. Some of you are added to our church for that. Some of you are here because your voice is going to help us sing better. It's going to help us sing. Some of you are here because your past failures, what God, the darkness God, has pulled you out of in delight as you share that story, it's going to remind us that God is a redeemer and he still changes lives. That's why some of you are here, to remind us that God is not done yet. Let me say something else. Some of you are here because at your funeral, This church is going to increase in our longing for heaven. Some of you are here so that you might die well for Christ. And that will be something the Lord uses to powerfully build up His church. See how this, we're a body? See how practical it can get? See how important all of you are? Your story, your talents, your struggles, your prayer life. Your laughter, your personality, your heart, your abilities, your resources, all of that. Jesus said, this church needs you. And he gave you to us as a gift. And it's a glorious thing. We're just receiving these gifts. Well, that were some general ideas. Let me get real specific to just today. I already talked about VBS, but some of those other areas. Let's get real specific for today. Today, some of you are here, and God brought you here today because you're going to pray for someone else after the service. You're here today to pray for someone else who desperately needs encouragement through prayer after the service today. And I believe that means some of you are here to be the person who is prayed for. Some of you are thinking, I'm struggling. I'm going to keep fighting alone. I'm going to fight Satan all by myself. No one's ever going to find out about this. I'm ashamed to share anything, or I don't want to admit that I'm weak and I'm struggling. But God is calling you with one or two or three people to share that struggle so that the people Jesus Christ ordained to pray for you today can pray for you today. Because we're a body. And we can admit our weakness and our failures and our struggles because if you're in Christ, it's all been paid for on the cross of Jesus Christ. So there's no condemnation. So we can share those things. Christ has brought you here to make that God-inspired match even today. What is your role? Sober judgment. Think, who am I? Why am I here? And then faithful service. Once you know, engage in acts of love and service to the church. If you can't answer the question, What is my role or what am I? You won't know what to do. If you don't know why God added you to a church, you won't know how to serve. Just like if you don't know how to use a tool, you'll get 
frustrated. There's the story of the man who had a bunch of trees to cut down in his yard. He went to the hardware store and he said, I got a lot of trees to cut down. And the clerk says, buy this chainsaw. You can get a hundred trees down in a day if you work hard enough. And the guy's like, well, that's what I got to do. That's what I want. Give me that one. He buys the chainsaw, takes it home. After three hours, he has two trees down. He thinks this chainsaw is broken. So he takes it back the next day. And he says to the clerk, this is clearly broken. Three hours, I got two trees down. So the clerk says, let me see, let me check it out. So the clerk takes it, pulls it to turn on the motor, and the man goes, whoa, what's that noise? (laughs) See, if you're a chainsaw and you're trying to cut down a tree without turning the motor on, you're going to be really frustrated and really ineffective. And, and, And be honest, some of us have been a part of a church for some time and we're like, we feel ineffective. We feel frustrated. It's because we haven't soberly judged how God has made us and what our role is. Some of you, your biggest contribution to this church body is going to be praying every day for everyone in this church in general. Lord, for my church, build your kingdom in their homes, in their hearts, in their workplaces, in their lives, in their marriages, with their parents, with their children on earth as it is in heaven. And you will do wonders for the kingdom of God because you know, well, that's what God gave me to do for this season. But if you don't know, we'll be frustrated and ineffective. Some of you know your role on Sunday, but you don't know your role on Tuesday. And prayer is one of those great things you can do throughout the week for your church family. But sometimes we forget on Wednesday that we're part of a body. We forget on Wednesday the worries of this world. We forget that God has added us to the church. And when we forget on Wednesday that we're part of a church family, it's like a bicep saying, oh, I forgot I was part of a body. And the bicep doesn't know what to do. It can't get strong. It can't keep growing because it forgets that it's part of a body. So may God help us remember one another in prayer throughout the week. Well, let me summarize these verses as we come to a near the end of the message here. Thinking through those different gifts and uh, what Paul is trying to say. Let me say this. I'm going to say it a couple times. A church body is made up of faithful, so if you have your your gift, use it, servant-hearted, gospel-proclaiming, generous, passionate, merciful smiles. That's that cheerfulness. Let me say it again. In light of Paul's list of gifts, Romans 12, 3 through 8, a church body is made up of faithful, servant-hearted, gospel-proclaiming, generous, passionate, merciful smiles. And the last one I'll talk about very, very briefly. I say this in the membership class, so whenever we have it. Every once in a while, somebody needs to be the grumbling tummy. If this church is being malnourished from God's Word, somebody needs to be the grumbling tummy and say, we're being underfed. We're not hearing the truth of God's Word. Now, I don't need 14 grumbling tummies a week. But if you notice malnourishment in the body of Jesus Christ, one of the body parts is a grumbling tummy. So you'll need wisdom and sober judgment to know if now is the time or that is the time to speak up to be the grumbling tummy. Because this is how Jesus Christ builds his church. He is building his church. So if you're in Christ, what are you? You're a member of Christ and one another. How important are you? You're vital but not superior. And what is your role? Sober judgment and faithful service. 
And you know why this is how Christ builds his church? Because this is how Christ lived his life when he came to give his life to die for us. So if we want to think, how are we going to do this? We need to look to the person and mind and attitude of Jesus Christ. So I'll read this as we close from Philippians 2, 5 through 11. You're a member of Christ and one another. You're vital but not superior. So think with sober judgment and engage in faithful service. Why? Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In Christ, you've been added to the body of Jesus Christ and to his church. So, brothers and sisters, will you receive this gift of membership in God's family as a gift for our good and for the glory of Jesus Christ? May the Lord help us receive that gift well. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, you saved a people for yourself from darkness to light. And you've added all of us, such a variety of people, not only here but across the globe, past, present, and you will in the future. You add to the universal church, and we're praying for them. Lord, we pray today for every brother and sister in Christ alive today in this world, especially those who are persecuted now for their faith. Encourage them in Jesus Christ today. And Lord, we thank you for this local expression of the body of Jesus Christ, Cornerstone Church of Skipback. Thank you that you've gifted us with so many gifts, with resources, with a variety of talents and personalities. Thank you for the diversity and variety here because it all reminds us that you are building a family for our good and for your glory So, Lord, help us receive the gift of church membership well. Thank you that you've added us to your church by grace through faith. And if anyone hasn't done that yet, place their faith in Jesus. Will you help them see the beauty of being added to a family like yours? And, Lord, for those of us who are brothers and sisters in your family, give us sober sober judgment and help us serve faithfully knowing that we're essential but not superior. And may this church point everyone in our community to the glorious person and work of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. The lyrics of this last song that we're going to